Hello and welcome to Checking the Gate, a film and religion podcast, episode 49. I am Michael M. Patty. And I am Robert Wright Stasco. And in this episode, we are discussing the latest film from acclaimed director Martin Scorsese, uh, Silence from 2016, and the recent HBO offering The Young Pope starring Jude Law. Right. So this episode, uh, I think we're going to do something different uh, per Mike's request. And it's it's going to be a corker. <laughs> yes. So in order to in get, order get to the save the, in the right order, in order to save the good stuff for last, yes, let's let's begin with the young pope. Yes. So we're going to start with our TV corner first, and then head to yeah. over to the movie. Just this once. So uh, let yeah, let's get started. The young pope, starring Jude Law, K. Corleone, <laughs> Diane Keaton, Diane Keaton. Yeah, it's a new show that's aired on HBO. I think it aired elsewhere internationally. It's from an Italian writer and director whose name I did not write down. It's fictitious. Let's get that out of the way right now. Yes. It's a look at what would happen if a young upstart got elected pope and what actually would happen. Full disclosure before we begin discussing, I have a full-time job and a kid, and I do not have... A ton of time on my hands so i only saw the first one i don't know how much robert watched i watched exactly 50 percent of the show okay good so as far as the first one goes it it, it really shows off his attitude at being pope he really doesn't seem like he wants to be there uh i i, I don't even know how to how to begin i know it, it's a very surreal at times. Yeah. There's, uh, especially like the opening shots. Yeah, the first uh. 10 minutes or so are a dream of him delivering a speech out over off the parap- not parapet. The balcony. Uh, at, yeah, at off St. the Peter's balcony Basilica. of St. Peter's yeah. in Vatican City. And it, he, he says some lewd comments that a pope would never say in real life. Uh, and then wakes up and goes on to be a jerk to all his staff and yeah he's there it's like a medieval pope some of the, those uh, famous popes of renown who were infamous for abusing their position solely for the power that it gave them you know having like a standing army lots of children uh, yeah uh, that sort of thing what uh, were the children for Robert they were his own children. You know, some of these popes. Oh, they had children. Okay, yes. good. That's not where I thought you were going. No, with no, that. no. They, they, they fathered children when they were supposed to be celibate. But in later episodes, what you were uh, hinting at was uh, dealt with straight on <laughs> in in some of the later episodes. Okay. Um. So, and, you know, we've talked about in some of our previous episodes. Uh. You know the the whole molesting scandal thing. So, uh, but the Pius, as uh, you know, Lenny is his name before he became the Pope, and he takes the name of Pius the Thirteenth, and in doing so, he becomes uh, very conservative, wanting to have an all or nothing approach to all matters of theology, morality policies on uh, abortion and, and at the beginning of the the last episode I saw I saw episode 9 I wish I had time to get episode 10 I had some technical difficulties I had to deal with this morning but anyways uh, James Cromwell's character and the pope Jude Law's character were having a debate about abortion and Lenny's like it we should be like right out of Leviticus you know if, if uh, a man harms a woman who's pregnant and causes the baby harm, he should be put to death, you know, sort of thing. So, I mean, he was taking, I mean, he's taking a hard line and um, kicking all the uh, homosexuals out of the church, uh, coming down hard on those priests who had uh, abused their power by abusing uh, boys and children. So it, he, he has this plan, like, he's going to make the church great again by doing what everyone doesn't want him to do. <laughs> make 
make the church great again. Yes. That was on purpose, right? Yes, okay. yes it was. Yes. Um I just I I wrote some notes down as as I watched the first episode. Uh there's I think it's supposed to be funny, but it's not like the, the there was a subplot about one of the cardinals having impure thoughts about a statue. I'm sure that was a joke. Yeah. Or at least not he wasn't joking. I'm sure it was supposed to be comedy. Yeah, it kind of fell flat. And yeah. That, that sort of comedy goes out the window and, kind of quickly. Okay. In the show. Um, I wrote down there's a there's a quote where he says he has no sins to confess. I, I they they explain in the course of the show that his election was brought about between a couple of the cardinals to kind of put a pretty face on yeah. the church, but they expected to have all of the power. Yeah. They, I, I'm they, not sure they explain how... in a later episode, okay. uh, he was a compromise because he, he asked that, I believe the character's name is uh, uh, Vialo. Uh, he asked, With the mole? The yes. Mo- okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he asked him straight up, how did I get elected? And he's like, well, you were a compromise. We we thought between the, the like the very left, very progressive parts of the church, and what would have been uh, the very conservative part, which was represented by his mentor, played by James Cromwell, and because he was very bitter, he wasn't elected pope, uh, and that his uh, protege Jude Law's character Lenny got elected, but it turns out that they miscalculated that the the star course Lenny was actually like ultra 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 conservative <laughs> and wants to drag the church back into the medieval period w- what, with his policies <laughs> what i was struck with was it felt to me as if he had never had any kind of training like they picked some random guy off the street and made him pope he doesn't feel like he had any kind... Like, all of a sudden, he woke up and was Pope. And yeah. all of these other guys have spent their whole lives... They they know the protocol. They know the routine. This yeah. guy doesn't seem like he's ever... You know, he has a, a morning ritual of having a Cherry Coke Zero. I don't believe... And a smoke. And, yeah, I don't believe for a second... He's ever heard a confession, done any alms or any masses. We'll see. That is that's probably the fault of the filmmaker because it's not till like the fourth or fifth episode you see him actually do a communion mass. He does it in. He's got the full regalia on. Is it a He does it in Latin. No, it it's something that actually happens in the series. But they so he knows he knows what he's supposed to do. But they don't show you that because they're more interested in setting up all the political machinations that are supposed to be going on. I wrote down the word machinations. Oh right. Yeah, yeah, that's on there. How does this person have any? He's clearly not a holy man. Did none of them? ever speak with him it just it didn't make any sense yeah admittedly not knowing how electing a pope works it didn't make any sense that they would just vote for this guy and then be surprised what ended up happening i i don't think that's how it really works yeah it's kind of like in in pastor where they yeah they just hired a guy off the the internet and (laughs) (laughs) they were surprised at what showed up yeah Yeah. this this did have that sort of feel to it but at a much higher level. <laughs> yeah. So I had I had a theory. Um, the I I didn't write down his name, but I looked up on IMDb the name of the writer and creator. Yes, Mike, give us some some of the background on that. Paolo Sor- Sorrentino. Yeah. Uh, everything else he's done has been uh, was Italian. Okay. Uh, there's there's something called Il Devo, something called Killer in Red. That's I don't know what that is. Something called Youth, and then a bunch of stuff. And okay, the titles are all in. I apologize. There we go. There's the Italian stuff. Um, it's all back like ten years ago. Yeah. Um, so I've never heard of him or any of his other works. I'm I'm not familiar with him at all. But he he is Italian. Uh, he's from Naples. He's a writer and director known for The Great Beauty and, uh, what is that? This Must Be the Place. I don't know what that is either. I couldn't help but wonder as I'm watching this. The show is called The Young Pope. 
Yes. And they cast Jude Law as an American. <laughs> yes. Do you think maybe instead of the young pope, the show is, should maybe be called the American Pope? Do you think maybe this is a criticism on ugly Americans? Super, yeah, super never... ultra conservatives get gets elected. People don't know what they're. Wow, I yeah. I, I didn't think about that. Now, obviously, but... this was filmed. This, yeah. this was filmed, and I believe aired before November eighth. But you know, maybe that's maybe he's not talking about our president. Maybe he's talking about America any any American in charge of anything. That I. Th- See, I, my my point was that I was going to make was I I really couldn't get uh, a grasp of what the point of this whole show was, other than trying to be like the crown or you know something like the that. The crown is good. Yeah, I I, we've seen two episodes of it. It's pretty good. Is that the one with there? There's like two shows about the queen. One with one's the, one's about Victoria. The one okay. the one with Jenna Coleman is about Victoria. Okay. The one with Matt Smith is about Elizabeth II. Okay. Okay. And the w- crown is the Elizabeth II one. Okay. Yeah, I did watch an episode of that and it was yeah pretty good. All right, diatribe over. Yeah, but that one it, it's historical and it's showing you the drama. Well, both of those shows are like historical. Yeah. This one is fiction. It's like what if this would happen? And I'm trying to un- get the point of you know what is this director trying to communicate and i i think you discovered I, it that's based on one episode that's the, the fact that he's young is not novel yeah. is not what's novel it's the fact that he's trying to turn the church back to the way it was 300 years ago yeah more on that in a second yeah so yeah, so well, thank you for that because I was trying to watch, you know, and I'd watched a lot of episodes of this, and there's different things happening, but like nothing really happens at all in this show. It's one of those, like, okay. th- like the I felt the same way watching this as I did watching, um, you know, Last Days in the Desert, just kind of waiting for stuff to happen, and you know, some stuff does, like you know, there there's this. Archbishop in New York who's brought up on charges, but there's no really evidence yeah, of, against him. Of course they bring that in. Yeah. Of course they bring that in. But they finally they finally get the evidence. They find out that he had a son and abused this son because uh, this guy came forward. And, yeah, a really, so a really has, sick – he's a really sick yeah. dude. And they're uh, – you know, he tried to uh, – he's like, well, if you bring me in for trial, Pope, I'm going to uh, – release all this stuff I have on you. And he's like, fine, go ahead and do it. It'll just make me more popular. And guess what it did? Because <laughs> there were these love letters he wrote to this girlfriend he had for a week, but he never sent them. And so the the archbishop tried to give this to a reporter, and the, he's like, well, do you have any evidence that these were actually sent to this woman, that he was... You know, did you read these things all the way through? He's like, no, I only read the, the you know, the juicy parts. And he's like, <laughs> well, he, he ends these letters by saying, you know, I'm sorry we can never be together because I'm married to the church. And so you don't have <sighs> any you don't have any news here, Archbishop. You have literature. And they show that the ep- end of the, ep- of the episode, it's a book, you know, the Pope's love letters. And you see uh, the woman you know, kind of re- finish reading the book, smile quietly to herself, and um, goes out and shows her kids, oh, look, here's a trick I know, and she starts juggling because uh, in a, in like the second or third episode, he's, uh, Pope was talking to um, his, one of his confidants, and says, you know how I won a girl over in California once? And he picks up three oranges and starts juggling, so... You know for sure that that was the yeah. girl he went out with, and she's married and has kids and stuff. So it's uh, it's like oh, Lenny won, but they showed you it in such a slow and obtuse way of you know how devious he is. Uh, I I still haven't watched the last episode, so I I don't I still don't know what the the point is. I think it's probably going to be your point, but I, that's that's what I gathered just from one hour. Of of this, that it was it was a 
condemnation of American, I don't even know what the right word is, just coming in, taking over, and yeah. ramming it down everyone's throats. Yeah, I know that sounds dirty, but I think it's appropriate for well, uh, what one, they're trying one to of say. The, one of the uh, bigger plot points of the story uh, is his adoptive brother, another priest that he was raised with named Andrew, is uh, a very like flaming bisexual man. And was opposed to uh, Lenny's or Pope Pius's. No, uh, it's, it's Lenny. Lenny, his uh, policy of not allowing uh, homosexual priests in, whether they are practicing or not, that they should. If if you're not straight, that you're not in the church, and he like kick uh, some guys out, like one guy uh, because he couldn't go into the priesthood. He like uh, stepped out and front of a train i think and killed himself um so this made the, the so brother be- upset and yeah. he- between between james cromwell attempting suicide in the first episode and then that yeah that, that's how you know this is a capital s serious capital d drama yeah yes thank you hbo for another one so at least there's there's not as many boobs as there are in Game of Thrones. Literally so. any other HBO show. <laughs> um, I did uh, I I did another another uh, note that I wrote down. The second note early in the episode, Pope butt. There's I don't know how much oh, there yes. is in, but there was uh, gratuitous Pope butt shown. I don't know how much there was in the later episodes. Uh, I don't remember. I, I well yeah. There it, were there were boobs in the episode I saw. He's yeah, uh, I, imagining some lady. I I think that was his girlfriend. That was California. her. Okay. At I first I thought was. it. At first I thought it was supposed to be uh, Diane Keaton's character until they showed they had the other flashback yeah. of her with him as a young kid. Like, okay, that's yeah. got to be a different woman yeah. then. And yeah, her fascination with Pope Pius or Lenny is that she witnessed him perform a miracle. And, and it was in that penultimate episode that they show it. It's right before James Cromwell, spoilers, character passes away. And he's like, Lenny, tell me the story one more time. And uh, like one of their friend's mother was dying. He goes in and prays. A light glows on her and she sits up and is not dying anymore. And he's like, and she's still alive to this day. And then uh, James Cromwell says... Uh, well, your mother is still alive, and you are going to find her someday, and then he dies, and then Lenny starts weeping. And that's sort of the thing that they use to explain why he is sort of like the mean, vindictive person he is. He's trying to find his uh, parents who abandoned him at the, the door of Sister Mary's place. Oh, he's not an orphan? He he is an orphan, but... No, he's abandoned. Yeah. He's not an orphan. Right, right, okay. right. Yeah, he's... He he has dreams where he like sees his mom and dad like get on a boat and go away and he's chasing after them as a young boy so and there was this whole uh, contrivance where they 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 tried to uh, in the movie Annie where they hire these people to pretend that they're his mom and dad and so he could they want to distract Lenny enough so he'll sign this ordinance that'll. He's up on his uh, really strict policies, and uh, he he falls uh. for it. But then he realizes that oh wait, this doesn't my mom and dad, and is you know. So yeah, yeah it it's there. There's there's drama, and but it seems it seems kind of contrived to me. It's it doesn't really like flow. Uh, there's a, all these weird situations, and never really it never really seems to lead to anything. So. Maybe it does in the in the last episode. All right, and I will tie up. And maybe we'll we'll uh, delve more into that in our next episode, our fiftieth episode. You'll have to let me know. Yeah. Okay. M- Mike isn't gonna. I don't. I. It's nine hours. I don't. I don't have nine hours to spend on something that I'm not. If I had. If I had liked the first episode, I I maybe would have made the time, but I yeah. it's gotten to the point in my life where you know, this is just a hobby, and <laughs> I really can't spend more time on something. I eventually finished Rev because yeah. I enjoyed it, 
Yeah. And also, it was only a half hour. <laughs> yeah. And that helped. Yeah, uh, this is an HBO show, which is, it's not yeah. like episode a 40, two. it's not like a 40-minute no. network show. It's a full hour. Episode two was 63 minutes long. <coughs> and I I came downstairs to where, uh, like, my new TV is, and I had every intention of watching either the second episode or the season finale. I hadn't decided. And I turned on HBO Go and 63 minutes. I really do not want to spend over an hour sitting here watching this. And I didn't. I put on Flight of the Concords instead. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? I honestly believe that was a better use of my time. Yeah. All right. Uh, So, So what's your final judgment then on The Young Pope? Excommunicated. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's beautifully shot, but you oh, get the Vatican shots. I I wrote yeah. that down too, but I forgot to mention it. The, they did a really good job yep. making it look realistic. But but even after that, you get you're like, okay, how many times can you look at um, beautiful ceilings and staircases until you're like, okay, is someone going to walk down these staircases, walk up them? Any anybody? Anything? Okay, there's the Pope, and he's talking about a kangaroo. Okay, great. All right. It it, it just doesn't seem like anything, like things happen without anything happening. So I'm not sure how successful this show was in ratings. I I haven't heard people like gush about it like Game of Thrones. I have no idea. I don't know if it's so, a, a miniseries or if it's coming back for season two. Yeah, I, I, uh, I guess we'll find out. I I say there's a lot better shows you could watch, uh, like Flight of the Concords. Yeah. All so. right, so let's move on to the main attraction, uh, our feature film, Silence. <laughs> Before we get into discussing the movie itself, we need to share the story of oh yes <laughs> of our uh, aborted attempt to watch the movie last December. We should have we were gonna do this movie what two episodes ago? Yeah, there's there's a reason why oh, we we sort of strung these out because yeah. we're kind of waiting for this we were waiting, movie to uh, be but, released on uh, home video. Okay, <laughs> you tell the story, Mike. This movie was supposed it it came out for Oscar release back in December in in limited re- what's called limited release a couple theaters just to get it in under the wire for awards contention. Right. So it was supposed to go wide which means, you know, in lots of theaters like a superhero movie, let's say, uh on January 20th whatever sometime sometime in January so we and and this is on us we did not check if limited release meant the theater we like to go to that's close to my house (laughs) right uh so we waited until it it went wide and it was only showing at that one it was showing at a couple of theaters but the best showtime we could get was at this one theater where apparently it had been for a couple of weeks. So we had it in our heads. Okay. This movie is about a couple of white guys finding their faith in Japan. It's been in limited release. It's artsy. It's about religion. There's going to be a couple old guys in there and us. So we get there and go up to the, ticket counter and we're we're on time we are right. not late for the movie right and in the meantime since, since we both had seen a movie at that theater they changed the way they do the seating there they took out all the like old theater seats and put in these big cushy um uh, leather oh, yeah. recliners you know you push a button and your feet go up and the back goes back and big yeah you know they 
but what this also did was about it halved yeah, the amount have, of seats that they put in the theater. They have fewer seats and they have assigned seats. So yeah, so you buy like you're going to a music concert, you buy yeah. your theater ticket. We didn't have to do that for King Kong though. I they haven't done that in no, or, that or, one or Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. They okay. didn't do that for Beauty and the Beast with us. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. no, we got it. I don't think. Anyway, so we, we get there for silence, and the guy at the counter says, all they've got left are seats up in the front. Like, how is that possible? The movie doesn't start for half an hour, 20 minutes, and that's before trailers. <laughs> so over yes. half an hour. Yeah. And... It's the guy's like, well, it's the new Martin Scorsese movie, but I know what this is about. It's how can it possibly be sold out? Yeah, this is not Wolves of Wall Street. This right. is we're 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 this more in uh, the you know, yeah. last temptation of Christ territory. Uh, yeah, you know? Avengers two. You know, <laughs> well, there's another Showtime at ten. Dude, it's almost three hours long. I'm not waiting till ten o'clock to see this. Right. <laughs> I was polite. I, you know, I was I was polite about it, but that's so. All right, maybe next week. <laughs> sure enough, it's, it's not there not next week. There. And we were even looking at like, well, what are you know? There are a couple other theaters in the area. Everything was at like nine thirty or ten o'clock. Right. There was there was no other option except this one showtime. Right. So it's like, okay, I guess we're not doing silence for next time. And then we ended up doing Last Days of the Desert yeah. and pushed this back, uh, which just got released, by the way. So go listen to Last Days of the Desert if you haven't already. Uh, yes. And then pushed this back to until it came out to home video, which was just uh, last week it was available to rent. Right. So... Here's another funny story. <laughs> Uh-oh, I haven't heard this one. <laughs> you haven't. Yeah. Uh, two weeks ago now, just randomly, in my email, the good folks at the Sony PlayStation Store, in my PlayStation email, sent me a $100 gift uh, credit. That's awesome. Just randomly. Yeah. Uh, so... I have an Xbox One down with the new TV now, so I have kind of sworn off buying new games for the PlayStation 3. I'm trying to think, okay, what else can I, you know, use $100 for? I know, renting movies. So we rented Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, and then Silence. Well, I rented Silence. Yes. Uh Pursuant to that, I'd like to file a uh, an expense report for six dollars with the uh, <laughs> checking the gate corporate office. Um, yeah, well, you could you have to file all claims in triplicate. Um, <laughs> they'll be taken under advisement. You should hear an answer in um, sometime during the next century. So okay, so <laughs> <laughs> all that out of the way. Yes. Uh, I want my six bucks back. Uh, I'm sorry. This is the least subtle movie we have seen since <laughs> God's Not Dead two years ago. <laughs> you thought it was uh, that sledgehammery? Yeah, I was I was going to avoid using the word sledgehammery, but yes. Wow. There is... <laughs> it's, it's... What they don't tell you is that it's two hours and 45 minutes, not of missionaries trying to find their faith, which is what I thought it was going to be. No, it's not. It's two hours and 45 minutes of people getting tortured for their religious beliefs, which is dumb. It, it's a movie about it's, it's so, persecution. It's, yes. It's frustrating. And, and let me tell you, <laughs> the movie starts out with Liam Neeson watching people get tortured. And, and it just gets better from there. And yeah. And then, you know who, um, it, when it goes to Andrew Garfield and Adam Driver talking to that other priest? Yes. You know who that guy is? Karen that's Hines the, from That's the our dad last from movie. Last Days in the Desert. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, the whole setup of the movie is, they're in Portugal, speaking unidentifiably accented English. And... 
they they have a letter that they managed to get from Liam Neeson about being in Japan and his experiences there. And then somehow, yeah, I was they, a little they, fuzzy. They, they, fear, they fear he's dead, and they want to go yeah. find him to see if he's alive and doing well. And uh, and somehow they get word that he has renounced his vows and gone native. Yeah, so they want to go check this out. Which, okay, first of all, if they know the situation in Japan, right? They know why he... That people are being killed there, right? Right. And they went anyway. Yes. Okay. Because <laughs> that was that was their calling from God to uh, to witness to those uh, Christians who were there. They had uh, the idea that there was at least uh, thirty thousand Christians in Japan, and, but they and were without a, a priest. And so, yeah. so when they get there, yeah, they find uh, people who are living in secret. Yeah. With their faith, try, keep they in want, mind they, they want confession. They, they want to do mass. They and, go there to find Liam Neeson. They get there, they immediately just happen to run into the Christians. Yeah, and well, the 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 guy who was their guide, he was he like brought the Christians to them. They didn't okay. sort of happen. I I'm but sure he, that he made, went and found them and brought them to them. Yeah. So, and then they 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 so they they find the Christians, and. All right, so the movie is about them finding Liam Neeson, right? No! Immediately they start being priests. Like, just, oh, we'll... They forget all about Liam Neeson. Like, for a, an hour. Yeah, they're, they're, they're like, well, should we, should we try and find him? Oh, we don't know if he's alive. You know, let's serve these people. If they don't know where he's alive, why did they go there? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. If they don't know that he's alive, why did they go? <laughs> it's oh, oh god it and then so it's it's all about them struggling to hide the the whole next hour before they mention Liam they, they before they mention Liam Neeson again is them trying to hide and close calls and them eventually getting caught it's yes it, 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 there, it gets a uh, bridge over the river Kwai. It, yeah, because you know, yeah, um, Adam Driver uh, he dies trying to save someone. Oh, we're not we're, were not even there yet. They were trying to drown, and yeah. and he gets the, he gets captured by the Inquisitor, the the yeah. Japanese man who's trying to eradicate Christianity yeah. from the country. Yeah, um, they get people to denounce Jesus by stepping on an icon of him, and that um, that's like the ultimate sort of yeah. insult that they could do there, and there's no they're, they they're talking about the the silence of god they pray and god doesn't talk back and there's all this suffering and yet still he remains silent and there's voiceover from there's voiceover from multiple people which is also a Kind it's of a, it's kind of a no-no. It's mostly Andrew Garfield. It's mostly Andrew Garfield. And then they at, use there's no background music, which I I'm sure was supposed to be, you know, oh God's silent, so we're not going to have any background music in here. Yeah. Um, they have crickets chirping, which was a little on the nose. I thought the movie starts with crickets chirping, and that's and, how it ends. And then yeah. you hear it periodically throughout the movie. Yeah. <sighs> Which is a stereotype. It's a it's a, it's a cliche. Yeah. Uh, you know there. It, it goes, it goes to great pains to show how Christians were persecuted by the Japanese, as if Christians owned the monopoly uh, or had the monopoly on being persecuted and martyred. You know, like Christians didn't do the exact same thing. <laughs> for the for the sixteen hundred years leading up to this, it's like they, Martin Scorsese had to tell a story, four almost four hundred years ago to find the last incidents of Christian persecution, like that's how that's how long it's been. Yeah, Christians have had it good since then, <laughs> but this is the story he's telling about how bad Christians used to have it. Yeah. Well, this was this this movie is based on a book written by a Japanese author who is um, a Catholic as well. So it it is a work of fiction. Um, I'm not sure it's, how much a historical guess, fact has been put in there. I guess Andrew Garfield and Liam Neeson's characters are based on 
actual figures. What their real experiences are, I'm not sure. I yeah. I did not go that deeply down the yeah. Wikipedia rat hole. Yeah, because eventually um, Andrew Garfield's character, uh, I want to say oh. Father Ferreira. Oh, yeah. Was that his uh, name? No, uh, Liam Neeson was Ferreira. Yeah, okay. Uh, Liam Neeson was Ferreira. Uh, Andrew Garfield was Rodriguez, and Adam Driver was Garupe. Okay, yeah. So, um, so finally, uh, Rodriguez meets... Galupe, or not Galupe, um, Ferreira. No, before that. No, is that? Yeah. It fi- like, I, no, it, yeah, you're been, right, you're right, you're right. Finally, they meet up. Finally, they meet up. And they find out that Liam Neeson's character, he, he's done exactly what uh, was yeah. reported. He's, he's he's gone Colonel Kurtz. Yes. He <laughs> he has uh, uh, renounced his faith and uh, works for... The, the Inquisitor. The Inquisitor. Yeah, he's he he writes materials, uh, saying how bad Christianity is. And uh, at first, he seems kind of ashamed when he's in front of Andrew Garfield. But then he he starts really vehemently debating him, and's like, you know, you you got to give up because Japan is a swamp. Nothing will grow here. And and that, um, from what I researched on the. Um, the author that's that's sort of like the that was the theme that's like the yeah it's christianity won't take hold because the japanese people don't want it right yeah and that 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 is in several of his other works as well that idea that it it, the swamp of japan won't let faith grow so um it's the author's feeling of uh being an outsider which he's trying to convey and uh that's what Scorsese sort of really grabbed onto, yeah, and, and, more, and from what I understand, this is a very faithful adaptation of the book. Yeah, so more on more on what Scorsese was trying to say in a little while. We're, yeah. we're working up to that. So he meets Liam Neeson, and eventually the 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 Inquisitor, the 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 Japanese rulers or leaders. I'm a little fuzzy on the social class stuff that I they believe would, I believe this is were they right like governors the, or yeah this is like right at the end it of the feudal Japan I don't care. when you have like different warlords who are yeah anyway one of the warlords is torturing other people who have already renounced their faith for the sole purpose of getting Andrew Garfield to renounce his faith yeah if he and, renounces Jesus he'll take the people yeah. out of the torturous pits and... so he's he's looking at the picture of Jesus that has been laid on the ground for him to step on as a symbolic gesture that he's renouncing his faith. And in a movie called Silence that is about question or is about testing your faith and God not talking to you, Jesus talks to him. I'm not kidding. Yes. It's terrible. I didn't I, think it was terrible. I, I thought laughed. that was No, it's awful. I thought it was It's awful. It was that that one moment where he finally It's he, laughable. He, he's finding the pinnacle of his faith when he has to denounce it. You know, the that thing he was you after You can show that without a voiceover. The movie loses nothing if you take that cheesy voiceover out. You thought it was cheesy. I thought it Go was Go ahead. Oh, wait, oh, I wrote it down. Where where what what is what is it what are the words? Um uh uh Yeah, he does he says yeah. like Go ahead. Step on me. Yeah, you didn't think that was funny? No, I didn't think oh, it was funny God. at all. I did. I thought. I, gu- I guess it, it depends on uh, the, the sort of the mindset you come to the movie with. I thought there was a lot of no. By this, by this point, points the... like like their their guide, um, uh, oh, their guide who keeps yeah, chomping uh, out on them. Yes. Yeah, so what is it? Um, I I Kikichiro, don't remember. I think was that his sounds name. right. And uh, he. He abandons them. He sells them out. He, uh, but always comes back for forgiveness. And he, you know, he's he's like, oh yes, I'm a Christian, but keeps, he like he like steps on Jesus like three times during the movie and comes back for forgiveness. And uh, uh, Father uh, uh, Rodriguez, Rodriguez, yeah, Andrew Garfield's character, continues to forgive him. And and he's at one point he doesn't want to. He's like. You know this guy. He's he's not even good enough to be called evil. He's just so weak, and just you know he forgives him anyway. And uh, I think it's the last he sees of him, really. Yeah, uh, he gets carted away after. Yeah. 
Yeah. But so at the end of the movie, after, um, you know, uh, Rodriguez has renounced yeah, he stays, the faith. He stays in Japan with Liam Neeson and eventually his job is the same as, as Liam Neeson's checking for Christian imagery so they can destroy it and root out more villagers. Yeah, anything that's imported, they, they examine it to see if there's any hidden iconography or, or anything in there, any crosses in secret compartments or yeah. whatnot. So, Long story short, years go by, he gets old and dies, and in his funeral pyre, it's it's shown that he's holding a cross that one of the villagers had given him years before. He kept his faith the whole time. What a shocking turn of events. Yeah. I was completely taken aback by that revelation. Hashtag sarcasm. <laughs> I just, I... <sighs> yeah, but you would uh, argue with, you know, he, he had his faith... He kept himself. You could say that. Yes, he he the, renounced. He, maybe it, no, I think he, it's intimated that maybe he he um, talked to his wife about. Right. Yeah. No, that, I got like, that. That she would have put that in Christ- his hand. And, yeah, she was a Christian. And, yeah. And maybe his children were Christians too, because he at I, least he evangelized he them. Children? Yeah. Well, he he inherited them. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I, so yeah, it it's very strange. It's you know the, the inquisitor insisted that he marry this uh, widow and her children to take care of him. It's sort of like the final insult to like, you know, yeah. to marry off a priest. You know, so I feel like this the the people who like the article that you sent me this morning, the people who yes. enjoyed this movie and thought it was profoundly moving are the same people who thought the passion of the Christ was profound and powerful because it shows Jesus getting beaten for two hours. Yeah. I hated that, too. I didn't even hate this movie. It was just... Uh, I want my six bucks back. It was... <laughs> I, I, and and I, have, I have a theory. This is supposed to be a passion project for Martin Scorsese. This was his The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah uh, he did, he, I did hear yeah. that he wanted to make this for years He and years. wanted to he make wanted this, to adapt this for book. years, yeah. yeah. I'm wondering, is this how he feels as a filmmaker? He made The Last Temptation of Christ, and it got the backlash that it did. So now yeah. he's the Christian missionary trying to make Christian art in a secular world like... Japan. Japan is Hollywood and modern filmmaking audiences. Yeah. Is his... So he apostates. He makes Goodfellas and The Departed. (laughs) And... But secretly, the whole time, he wants to make silence. I I think think you have another valid... And again, unsubtle. (laughs) Sledgehammery. Shame on you, Martin. You're better than this. Well, I I like the movie. See, I was excited about seeing a movie. Oh, Scorsese's doing another religious film, and I was talking yeah, about I... this with some some people who are in my my wife's Bible study. And uh, the one guy turns to me, he's like, "You know, since it's Scorsese, he's probably not going to be very Christian." I'm like, "Do you not know that he's a Catholic? He's probably going on the ideas that he got from watching, you know, Goodfellas and uh, The Departed, and then The Last Temptation of Christ." You know. And I I think every Christian should watch this movie so they could know what real faith looks like and the kind of uh, pressures you have in, because you know, we're very comfortable here in America, very comfortable, and we have a very convenient faith. We, we, we turn to it whenever it suits us. When things are going fine, yeah, we don't need Jesus. Maybe, you know, when... Uh, I'm having a, a hard time with my wife or, you know, the car breaks down. Yeah, Jesus, I could use your help now. But these are very first world problems. You know, you think of the times that Christianity has really flourished. It are times when it's under severe persecution. And uh, the only exception being Japan, which is still not extraordinarily Christian today. I know missionaries are still working in Japan um, because it's only about, like one point five percent Christian. They're there. just they're just not uh, holding people upside down on stakes in 
hot yeah. water anymore. Yeah, if if their numbers are right, there's probably more Christians in Japan during that time of persecution than there are today. So uh, I I think every Christian should watch this movie because I I enjoyed the moments where they were talking about faith and and having gone on um, some short-term mission trips myself, I understood some of the things that Andrew Garfield was talking about. Like uh, earlier in the movie, um, they split up uh, him and the other um, uh, missionary, and he goes to this island and has uh, a great experience. People are flocking to him. Uh, he's doing mass, and uh, it, it you know things are right. And he's saying, I you know I found my my energy and my faith renewed, and this was such a great experience. And you know, and you have times like that where you're like, "Oh, all right, this is great." And then he, he comes back later in the movie and finds out the Inquisitor has just wiped out and decimated the entire village. And you have that sort of feeling too, and you're like, "Oh, what am I doing? I don't know if I'm good enough. Is God really working with us, working for us, working against us? Are we doing the right thing here?" And um, the thing is, you just hold on to your faith and persevere. But then you get to the end of the movie and you feel that is sort of twisted. Yeah, their circumstances were uh, such that uh, he... He finally realizes that human lives are, are worth more than... Uh, making a point. I, I, yeah. um, um, ideology. Right, yeah. And so he, he made that, that sacrifice like... You know, Christ made this. I mean, even Father uh, uh, Ferreira said that. You know, you think Christ would, you know, would allow these people to suffer? Even he would uh, apostatize if he had the chance to save these people. That's why he died on the cross for all of us. So there's sort of a twisted logic that's going on there. You know, what do you do in the toughest of situations? You know, and uh, you know, I don't think as Christians nowadays we have to make those kind of decisions. Uh, so right, that was that was what I was saying. This was four hundred years ago. Right, but it, his faith wasn't convenient. His faith was all that he had. It's the only thing that he had. Right. It's and he. I had have to a sacri- problem with that. And he had to sacrifice that to save other people. So, uh, so that I the, I, I, I I think. Um, this this movie is I I wouldn't categorize it as a Christ plantation movie. No, because it was uh, it was uh, based on. Um... Okay, let's let's compare this. I haven't seen this movie yet because it just came out. Uh, I think the, this last weekend from the time of recording, it's The Shack. Have you heard about this movie? Uh, yes. Uh, this I think this movie is like definitely Christ plantation. Um, very cheaply made, uh, and don't forget the case for Christ. Yes, which came out the, this week. Yes, also based on the book by Lee Strobel. Um, that's uh, it, it's sort of like his biography. I don't know who that is uh, he's a journalist who was a staunch atheist until you know his wife started praying for him, and then he became a Christian. And uh, so that's a future episode for sure. Yes. And uh, mark it down. Yeah, we'll do that. I'll t- we'll do it we'll, together we'll, with the shack. We'll yeah. We'll get there. Yes. And uh, but this book is uh, it has I think a lot more depth to it than just like a, a feel good about your faith kind of movie like uh, like God's Not Dead where uh, you know a conservative Christian go in and 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 feel great, but uh, you know, anyone else walking in the movie is going to tear it to shreds. Like, did you know that um, the two of the guys who used to be on Mystery Science Theater, uh, Trace Ballou and Frank Conniff, they, they kind of do riffing. Um, they went to an atheist convention and live riffed God's Not Dead for all the atheists. <laughs> uh, part of me takes offense to that, but part of me is like, but that movie you, you was so bad. You also saw God's Not Dead. Yes. Uh, it was so just proselytizing and... Uh, yeah, it, it... And I I feel the same way about this movie. It, it's the exact same message just with beautiful cinematography and much more graphic depictions of violence 
Yeah, and I think that's a shot. If we're gonna make, and, if and we're gonna make better Christian movies, then God's not dead. I think that's a shot in the arm. That I think uh, these Christ quotation movies need. You know, don't, oh, so you're don't don't use don't use don't use like low budget and uh, as an excuse. You know, if you if you have a, some good subject matter. And get some quality people like you know, Scorsese. He, um, I think he found like one guy in Mexico to finance this movie for him. So you're so, saying you're saying silence should be the rallying cry for faith-based films going forward. It should be the standard bearer. Yes, yeah. Ugh. Like you, you need to at least aim for this bar. I, so you you liked it. You actually enjoyed I, it, I, and you I didn't like see the, the same problems as as I did. I, the, the, they, thing, the things they you don't thought actually, were laughable and funny, I thought were... Yeah, they, they get to the village, and rather than doing anything to help their situation, they just start being priests. Right, because they don't, that's the yeah. need that was directly in front of them. The people were clamoring. I mean, what are you going to do, tell them no? You know, No, so. because it'll get you all killed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, literally every person in this movie was wrong. <laughs> Uh, I. Th- yeah, I think that's probably the gulf between. Yeah, I think our, our so. world views. I think so. Where you have, where all, if you, you know, living that life, you know, they they take the time to say they they live like beasts and they die like beasts, you know, and when all you have is your faith in Christ and the the promise that that comes from that uh, abundant life, um, when. And that's the only thing that that fills you up is that feeling from the Holy Spirit. Uh, I can understand that, where you're in such a dire situation that's all you have. You're desperate for anything you can get. So when uh, some people come and say, "Oh, I could help you and disciple you and help you grow in your faith," uh, yeah, but that's not why they were there. They were there to find their teacher. Yeah, they got. Yeah, it, you know, and and. F- uh, Sam and Frodo went to, you know, they were going to Mordor to get rid of the ring, but they, you know, they ended up in, in uh, the cave with uh. Faramir anyway. So, it, I, I c- almost get eaten by a giant spider. You know, all that stuff happened to him. I have nine a, hours of it. I have a confession to make. Yeah. You know that scene at the end of Star Trek: First Contact where Data says, "For I, I looked up the number for zero point six eight seconds, he was tempted by the Borg Queen." Yes. For 0.68 seconds, I was tempted to quit the podcast because of <laughs> silence. Oh, really? It, it, so it, you hated it that bad. It was beautifully shot. The acting was, the Japanese actors especially, sold it. Yeah. They were all incredible. Andrew Garfield and Adam Driver, I'm never going to buy them as Portuguese priests. Never. Yeah. What about what about uh, Jedi or superheroes? He's that's not a, that's questionable too. He's not a Jedi. Um, <clears throat> actually, he is not a Jedi. He is not even a Sith Lord. Oh, maybe he's the last Jedi. We haven't seen that movie yet. <sighs> no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, I I think we've uh, yeah we, we've. I we, told you this was going to be a corker of an episode. Yeah, I, th- I think we uh, this is about as far as we can go into discussion without Mike actually kicking me out of his uh, house no, at this point. No, <laughs> no, this was I've been I I saw the movie last Sunday, so I've been I've been bottling this up for a week, and I I deliberately did not <laughs> like share anything. A lot of times I'll get on the phone with Robert and I'll uh, we'll we'll talk about the movie ahead of time. I deliberately didn't do that. <laughs> I sent him a text that says we have to talk about silence. Yes. But and I was I was saving it for this and this was cathartic. I, I was gonna say have, I you, feel, have you I feel better now. Okay, good. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. We're gonna agree to disagree. Deep breath. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Yeah. We're gonna agree to disagree. Yeah. Um Yes, because I did feel that uh, this is a, a quality movie that should have had a little more consideration, but it's no. it's sort of like it's sort of like the the rock group I went to see last night, the Seventy Sevens. We drove to Columbus to see this uh, college indie rock band from the nineties, and 
uh, I made a new friend. Uh, shout out to Dave. How you doing? Um, and he said uh, this this uh, group got shortchanged uh, because no one knew what to do with them. They were too secular for the Christian uh, radio stations and too Christian for the secular stations. So I kind of have the feeling that's what's going on with silence here too. And somehow no one knew what to do with it. And somehow a crappy band called Creed got on the air. (laughs) (laughs) They're not spiritual at all. I'm sorry. No, no, not Creed. Uh, uh, Let's not go there, or else, I, I, or else I will walk out right now. <laughs> Six point eight seconds. Zero point six eight. Zero point six eight seconds. Tempted to quit the podcast for me right there. <laughs> I I apologize. I apologize for bringing up Creed. I that that was that was uncalled for. Oh. Oh man, now I got yarling in my head. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> I have I have with arms wide open. <laughs> Oh man! Mm. Well, I just heard the news today. No, please stop. <laughs> Gladly. <laughs> All right. I. You know what? That should be that should be your penance <laughs> for making you watch the movie. And, and I can't I even have, say I have to, that. I have to listen I can't to a even, whole Creed album. I just... can't even say that because <laughs> I'm the one. I'm the one who saw the description in the. It was the Entertainment Mo- Weekly uh, Winter Movie Preview. I think it was, and yeah. I said, "Oh, hey." Look at this. It's got sci-fi actors in a Martin Scorsese movie about religion. We should do this. So I've got no one but myself to blame. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, All right, so... Nobody's uh, fault but mine. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to uh, go a little lighter for our next episode. Episode 50, uh, we will be doing the recently released Star Wars movie Rogue One, and then in TV Corner... No, no, no. Webster! Webster. Yeah. There was only like <laughs> one heavy episode of Webster <laughs> that I could recall, and it was a cheesy cliffhanger <laughs> where they thought his uncle was doing heroin. It turns out he was diabetic. Uh, poor Ben Vereen. <laughs> getting a bad rap. Poor poor Emmanuel Lewis. <laughs> uh no. You can uh, you can edit that. I was say I was saving that. Uh no, that's staying in, man. <laughs> <laughs> so no. what are what are we actually doing? We are actually doing, and we have been we have been sitting on this uh, since I thought of it months ago. Yes, we are going to do another lightning round of faith based, but this time instead of just TV shows like the last lightning round, yes. faith based films that we haven't gotten around to covering because yes. we go, you know, life gets in the way. What started out as a monthly thing. Oh, by the way, this is now April. This is the sixth anniversary of Checking the Gate. Is this yes. month of episode yeah. zero, uh, and it's it doesn't feel like six years. I don't know how that's no. possible. Six years and forty nine episodes. So yeah, uh, so we'll, yeah, it'll, our fiftieth episode will be a big celebration. Yeah, we're so what, celebration is one word for yes, it. Yes, <laughs> what what is the Christploitation extravaganza? Uh, we have in store. Yeah, they're n- they're not even all Christploitation films, but some of them are. You better believe some of them are. I I, I would define them all. So yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, give let, give us a rundown. All right, and this is just tentative because we haven't. Uh, depending on availability and scheduling, uh, here's the list I have, and yeah. this this may change in the intervening. Let's not kid ourselves. Months <laughs> before we get around to recording, uh, the ones I have written down are Risen, uh, which was the uh, Roman centurion at the crucifixion, uh, starring Joseph Fiennes from another movie I hate, Shakespeare in Love. Uh, Miracles from Heaven uh, with Jennifer Garner, yes. who I like from Alias. Yes. Uh, Christian Mingle the movie, written and directed by Corbin Burnson. I, is uh, that Corbin is that Burnson. still on Netflix? Did you say that? Yes, was it on is. Netflix? Yes, it is. Okay. I, I checked. Okay. Uh, I wrote down Gods of Egypt, but I'm going to give that a pass. Yeah, give that, that a pass. Yeah, no. It's Duke God's Not Dead it's, 2. No, I'm getting there. Uh, spoilers. Okay. Spoilers, so, son. Sorry, sorry. Uh, Continue. Joseph and Mary, starring Kevin Sorbo and the lady, I can't pronounce her last name in real life, her, uh, but the lady who played Freddie Lowndes on Hannibal as Mary. Uh, that's on Netflix. Okay, I, I didn't see that. I didn't even know of its existence. So yeah. uh, 
Do you believe? I forget, I wrote down the name. I don't remember what that what I that have, is. Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen that either. Uh, the Shack, which Robert already mentioned, and because we have to, even though it's not on streaming anywhere, God's Not Dead Two. Well, I have I have the and uh, possibly if it's I have the DVD that available. It's always on the shelf at the library. Okay, always. I'm sure it'll be at uh, <laughs> it somewhere in Cuyahoga County. I'm sure it'll be available. I assume. <laughs> yes. Uh, and that has Melissa Joan Hart in it. Melissa Joan Hart. But not Kevin Sorbo. No. I saw Kevin Sorbo at, uh, I didn't talk to him, but I saw him at Comic-Con. He was there. Oh, yeah. And Dean Cain. It was, oh, they were, they yes. were right next to each other. It was a, it was a little Gaznated reunion up in uh, Cleveland yeah. Convention Center. Yeah, wow. I, I didn't, uh, like, talk to them or get their autographs, um, but I saw them together and thought, if you guys only knew... <laughs> <laughs> yeah well uh. you know kevin sorbo was so earnest you know and yeah when you know but when kevin sorbo and um dean kane are the the best people in your movie yeah. um, hey it could have been worse yeah it could have been kurt cameron as the best actor in oh. the movie oh we've yeah. d- we've been there I, done that before I, oh yeah i want to make clear before we sign off i I talked a lot of smack about silence, and I meant every word of it. But at least it wasn't fireproof or left behind. I, I kind of yeah. enjoyed left behind, though. Yeah. I mean, well, which one? The the, the, the Cameron real, run the, or the, the the Kirk Cameron one? God, I, <laughs> I forgot all about the Nicolas Cage one for a second. Or yeah, some, we really have done two different left behind you know, movies, haven't we? Or something. Uh, okay. Oh boy! Yes, so I I briefly thought about asking them, you know, on our way past. Hey, how about some Supergirl spoilers? But oh. I I was good and yes. didn't. Yeah, because they were both. They're both on. They yeah. didn't share the screen together, no. but they were both in the yeah. the one and, episode. Yeah, and Dean Cain and Terry Hatcher haven't shared the screen yeah. yet. Yeah. Well, we won't be seeing Kevin Sorbo again. Yeah. Spoilers. spoilers. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, that's that would have that would have served me right. Hey, Kevin and Dean, how about some Supergirl spoilers? I die. <laughs> I come back from the dead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is so, comic books after all. Yeah. So anyway, um, o- only in com- only in comic books, soap operas, and uh, religion do people come back from the dead. So yep. For reals. All, all right, right, so that's. Uh, I yeah. think that oh our and our our TV corner we're gonna do oh are we doing a TV corner yeah we're gonna do a review we're gonna we're gonna look back on some of the shows we reviewed okay uh, at the time some of them were reviewing right. we like we didn't get yeah. we didn't get to watch the full series yeah or it hadn't been aired yet or a lot of times uh like you know episode zero was Doctor Who sixth season back in the day oh, when before <laughs> now, we knew who River yeah. Song was so. I might go back and give that a listen to see how yeah. wrong we were or oh, how close we were. Check this out. Uh, this is the 10th anniversary of season three. So the last two weeks we've watched on the 10th anniversary the first episode and then the second episode of season three. And we're going to keep up ah. as it goes. Because I bought the DVDs and I don't think I've ever... W- I've watched an episode here and there. Yeah. But I've never watched the whole season. And they were... I got it at Borders because that was the only place you could get Doctor Who on DVD back then, and yeah. I had a fifty percent coupon, and it was still thirty or forty bucks. Yeah, yeah so I, we're watching them on DVD. Yeah, I inadvertently bought the uh, the entire uh, collection uh, uh, series two, three, and four um, for about you know it was like ten to fifteen bucks each because <laughs> I would order. I I I've ordered series four, and then I kept uh, like I got mistakenly sent series two. Oops. <laughs> so then I did it again, and then they sent me series three. <laughs> so finally, I ordered series four, and they sent me the right thing. But now I have I have all of the because yeah. uh, they had series one at Walmart for ten bucks for some reason. So I'm like, and at the time where everyone else had it for still like forty five to fifty dollars. Yeah. So I'm like, it's outrageous. Yoink. Yes, it's outrageous. I got. Uh, I I bought three on DVD, and then they went on sale on iTunes, and I got one, two, and four for ten dollars each. Yeah. I have five on DVD. I have the David Tennant specials on Blu-ray. Five on Blu-ray. Yeah, uh, I I picked those up. Too. Yeah, you told me. 
I picked those up on Blu-ray. Yeah. So I, but I, I had, I haven't had the heart to like trade in the the one that you bought me on on DVD. Yes, oh, the uh, fine. You you got me the the, uh, the next Doctor. Yes, that's fine. <laughs> but it it has it has these cool little like temporary tattoos in it too. Oh, it does. Yeah, oh. <laughs> it does. I didn't know little that. Little Cybermen tattoos. That's cool. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Uh, and then I st- after after season five, I kind of stopped buying discs. But then we bought um, season nine when it went on sale, just because we've been, um, shall we say, not buying them. Let's yeah. go with that, not buying them. Yes. <laughs> um, so we bought season nine on sale, and we're gonna season pass season ten, just cause. Yeah. Well, hey, when you know, maybe by the next time we'll we'll have a some of a little review of. Uh, Season ten in our TV corner for next time. So yeah. we'll about. see. Yeah, we'll see. It 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 qualifies as catching up. Yes. So. And we'll see if there's any sort of relevant content because yeah. I, I don't know. I don't think um, Stephen Moffat's writing has been relevant to anything lately. But uh, that's a complaint for another day. Yes. That's another rant. <laughs> All right, nope. well, I think we have, uh, for doing an episode based on a movie called Silence, we have run our mouths quite a bit. So on that note, uh, what do you say we sign off? Yes. All right. So until next time, this is Robert saying keep the faith. And Mike saying peace out. <laughs>